0: Hello and welcome to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamidge, and today joining me is educational keynote speaker, co-owner of the Happy K-Man. He's a professional speaker at Epic On Purpose. He's got a new book that came out called Just Look Up, Five Things That Everybody Needs to Know. So I'm really excited to talk to Joe today. He's a guy with high energy, met him through the Men in Education, uh, group on facebook and and excited to connect here with you on the podcast joe how you doing today i'm doing great thank you so much trey for having
1: me on and uh thanks for sharing your incredible light in this world man it's uh it's it's needed uh today more than ever
0: yeah well i appreciate that thank you very much i think it's a very cool thing to get to speak with people like yourself as well I think that's what's so good about what Hal is doing with the men in education group because you get so many guys that just have a passion for the next generation and serving other people and so to bring those minds together. I think it makes a world of difference for ourselves, for our own, you know, self-worth and and inspiration and also for the people that we serve. So um, it it goes both ways.
1: They they say, uh, and I don't know who they are, but when my wife ever quotes something or wants me to know something of importance, she always talks about they. They say... Mm -hmm. You are the sum average of the five people yeah. you surround yourself the most with. So I always say if I can surround myself with really great people who are trying to make a difference in this world, then I can't help but be a little bit better and make my own little difference in this world just because, you know, we play to the, the people that we, uh, we surround ourselves with. So right. I
0: right. did to be part of this. No, that, that's that's the truth. And I, I tell people a lot of times also that having a podcast is like a cheat code in my eyes because it gives me an excuse to reach out to experts and, and people that are, are really good at what they do and have an excuse to say, hey, you wanna you wanna talk to me a little bit? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, okay. So right on, you've you got a cool you've got a cool story, you know, with uh, you you're a youth retreat director for about 12 years and then yeah. you've been speaking, you've been with your, your own business. Epic on Purpose for about six years, looks like. And I've yeah. um, had some other endeavors in between. So how did you, you know, get into that retreat director position and carry on to where you are now uh, Yeah, some time later?
1: So I'll even take you a few steps back because the context I always feel is is important. So I yeah. uh, never went out to be a speaker. Um, I was going to be the next greatest athlete uh, that you've ever met in your life that you've never met in your life. Um, I was... Uh, basketball, baseball, football ever since I was little. And I was pretty good um, Mm. until about ninth grade year when I suffered a stress fracture in my back. And I was told that contact sports were no longer going to be really uh, an option. Um, And so for about a year, I was in a pretty low state, questioning lots of things, frustrated at, at life, you know, um, shaking my fist at the universe and at God, you know, why me, why me, why me? Mm -hmm. And about a year later in my sophomore year, English class, a woman by the name of Wendy Shorthay's walked in and she was our theater director and she was recruiting actors for the upcoming musical. And when I was little, my mom always took me to plays. Mm. I remember thinking even as that little, like six-year-old being like, man, someday, but you know, like I never ever had a chance because it was always sports and now I wasn't playing sports and yeah. now I had the chance and um, I did that thing where you got the angel and the devil on the shoulder, <laughs> right? Like you should do this. You should absolutely not do this. You're going to get laughed at. You're going to fail, you know, all that. And uh, I ended up trying out for a play and I ended up getting a part. And that, I mean, that moment I walked on that stage mm-hmm. for like the first time, it was like something clicked and something felt right. And two years later, I got the green light to play sports again, or at least play wow. football. And I couldn't do both. Cause now I was stuck with the, I was in theater. And so I had to make a choice and, and I really, I stuck with theater. I did it all the way through, um, through, through high school, through college. Mm. It was a major. And then um, I, I did it like right out of college. I started working for this uh, children's theater company and I got to be in schools and I was like, Oh my gosh, I like acting. I like performing, but what I love and what I'm like, my calling is kids. Mm. Like this is my jam. Like, I'm awkward and weird in front of like 99% of the population, right. but the kids, they think I'm pretty cool. And so how could I take this performance thing yeah. and match it with this kids thing and more than just me being on stage, but to like actually be talking and connecting, mm-hmm. sharing my stories. And so when you ask about being a, a, a retreat director, that was sort of the next step in my journey. There was, I I'm from it. Minneapolis and I've grown up in Minneapolis my whole life. And there was an organization here that does school, like retreats in schools, yeah. uh, or at least they did before COVID-19. Um, and um, And so I worked and I got a job with them. And so for 12 years, I went into schools and I led their programs and shared their message, which was Ooh. an awesome message and awesome programs, but it wasn't my message. Right. And it wasn't my programs. and. I don't know how you're wired, but how I'm wired is at some point I start getting the itch and the scratch. Go, yeah. What if, what if I tweaked it a little here, messed with it a little there, spun things a little bit like that? Um, and so I stepped out on my own about six years ago, and I started tweaking, spinning, and uh, uh, just moving things around since, and just throwing things on the wall, yeah. seeing sticks and failing a lot along the way. But through that failure and through some of those missteps and you know challenges like six years later i'm excited to say that you know i'm like well before covid our schedule wasn't busier i was busier than ever and we've been normally i'm in like over a hundred schools every single year sharing messages with like you know tens of thousands of students and now we got a bunch of videos we have online that Mm. getting thousands of downloads and now we got a book that's getting into like you know lots of people's hands and so um it's been a pretty crazy journey, but I always think like none of it happens unless I suffer that injury. Right. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes we get into the spot of this thing that we're going through right now is we think it's permanent and it's always going to be this way. And the cards that we've been dealt are the cards we'll always have. Um, and I'm, believe you me, I'm not like sunshine and butterflies and like, Hey, just put your chin up and you'll be good or whatever. Like I understand that that hurt and that pain and that frustration oftentimes is very real. And for a lot of people, it takes different amount of times to get over whatever it is that they're struggling through. But I'm a firm believer that, you know, what's on the other side, oftentimes of that tragedy is bigger and better than we would have ever even imagined. And so um, for me, that's how this all kind of carried out. And so that's a big part of what I share in front of students, a big part Mm -hmm. of what we talk about in the book and, uh, yeah, that's just part of my story, I guess.
0: Wonderful story. I think that's a that's a real cool place. I I'm, I can relate a lot, and I've got some reflective questions coming for you in a little bit because I feel some some same things that that you had. You know, never thought I was going to be in education. I was a psychology major and played football as well. Um, and in I just happened to move to South Carolina from Indiana. Mm-hmm and to a school that, and, and it's you know now i'm i'm in education myself but going back to those early days i think you said something important there with the injury because a lot of times what you're doing is only a vehicle theater was still the vehicle to make the impact so when folks are doing things when kids are doing things a lot of times they think about the impact but they, they think the vehicle is the impact no yeah. that's, what you're doing doesn't really matter it's about why you're doing it so yeah. Yes, I'm using theater, but I'm using theater to test the people that that are the most important to me. So, it, I, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No,
1: it's just it is. It's like I, I like I feel like it's this equation. Like not that you can boil life down to an equation, but like it's it's about like what you're good at, right? Mm-hmm. But also it's about what you love. And I think yeah. so often we forget that the combination of those two are really really important. Some people are really good at a sport. Or business or whatever it may be, but they might be drained and they might not love it and they might not give them any sort of life whatsoever. And then there's other people who really, really, really want to be something and they're passionate, but it might just not be their jam, right? Like there's certain things that I'll just never probably, you know, maybe with a lot of work I'd be able to do, mm-hmm. but it would take a tense amount of work. Like don't give me a power tool or anything in that genre. Cause I'm going to hurt myself or anybody that's like in a five mile radius, right? Like I'm aware of the fact that that's not something I'm awesome at. And so I think it's this, I felt like it's this passion of, of students, but also the, the vehicle was like, I just love being on stage. But then mm-hmm. I think the third part of that, and this is where like, maybe it's like a plus 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 or an equals, I don't know, but it's using that passion and that talent to somehow serve our world, to somehow make more peace, more love, more connection, more kindness, whatever it may be to somehow make our world better tomorrow Mm -hmm. than it was today through your talents and your passions. Like when kids say to me, like, what's the happiness thing all about? Like, how do I, how do I get happier? how do I, you know, feel content or fulfilled? I think a, a big part of it are the connections and the relationships that we talked about earlier. But I also think, It's about using your gifts and your passions
0: to somehow serve others in our world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I I think a a place that we'll get to eventually is how that changes over time or grows over time. But from that, that place of youth and, and figuring out, and my brother is a theater major, by the way. And so I think even hearing that in my head, that triggers other things for me. So he is in love with acting as well. But what is your impact behind it? So I didn't even think about working for a theater company. You know, you think of when I think acting, the first thing I think of, or theater is um, is acting, commercials, movies, stuff yeah. like that. But you don't think about the companies and the other pieces of the industries that go along with it. And it's the yeah. same in education, you know, so, so you didn't go the traditional path of a school principal, a teacher, or an administrator. Uh, from what it sounds like to me, you went as a youth director or a a retreat director at a different company. So, talk to me a little bit about that transition. How you kind of went from theater to education and kids um, to that position. Like, what was your mindset like as you were getting to that place?
1: Yeah. Well, I think for me, like when I was in college and I was and I was doing theater, my mindset at that point was all about how it would serve me, right, and how I could make mm-hmm. me. Famous, or how I could get prestige, or money, or whatever it is that you know I thought would make you know my life better, um, and and it was I can't remember exactly when it was like right like I think it was when I just kind of stumbled upon this children's theater job that went into right. school, and that was really the first time I had ever like I'll say this in my life there like when I look back there are certain signs that I look back and go, oh my gosh, yeah. that, was, that was a sign, right? That was like, uh, we call it God, call it the universe, call it whatever you want. But there's things where you look back and go, that was yeah. something that you know was trying to tell me something. And it took me all the way through basically my junior year in college to figure out like what that something was. And that mm-hmm. for me was yeah, it's this, this performance thing isn't just about you, it's about others and how you can use that gift to really serve, um, and so once I shifted there, and I started really seeing that, you know, when I was doing these plays in these schools, that it really wasn't about at all the prestige, or anything like that, kids just really appreciated, you know, us being there, and I just, like, that's when, like, for me, like, things shifted from, uh, this is about me, to really, this is going to be about, right. about others, um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how I-
0: I completely, I completely relate with that. A hundred percent. I remember for me, it was, I can remember when in that time I mentioned, I stayed abroad my last semester of college, graduated and moved to South Carolina. And I started right away. I joined Toastmasters because I wanted to be a speaker. And I thought that that was going to be my path. And so I did about a hundred engagements and all over the state and stuff. And went to the World Championship or the semifinals um, and Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking. But at the state level, which was the district level, you had to win that to get to the World Championship. You, you had to win that. And this woman, Kelly Sargent, came. She was the last, only woman to win in like 2014 in the last like 20 or 30 years. She might have been the first woman to win. Um, and she gave a speech and talked about how it's all about me and it's not about me. It's all about me because all I can control is my own decisions, but it's not about me because something else has to pull you out of bed in the morning. Um, And so another point, uh, another world champion speaker, his name flips my mind right now. He says, you connect the dots looking backwards, not forward. You can't look forward and see, you know, how these dots are going to connect. But after it happens, you can look back and see um, what's happened. So I I think another point, Joe, and there's just so much in there. We can talk for hours about a lot of this stuff but you, you said something in your opening story and you kind of repeated the theme or I've heard it a couple of times since. A lot of folks stay stuck. Yeah. And you had a back injury and you overcame that failure. Failure is your first attempt at learning. The first chapter of my book is failing got me started because and, and, I, I believe that. And that was the same for you. But a lot of people just sit on failure their whole life. Les Brown said that most people live the same year, 75 times and call it a life. But Tupac said you have until you're 26 to get in the rat race and live that kind of life or choose another route that you're gonna go. Can you talk about how long it takes? So you're at the youth um, the youth company, you're a retreat director. You've already gone from, from one vehicle of, of theater to another as a director what was the next step in elevation for you and how did you get over that hump and not want to stay in the same place at any of those levels?
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. And I, I'll say this. I like to, because I think the failure thing, like I've, I've gotten stuck on that too. I think there's the like life can fail. We can feel failure in a couple of ways. I think number one, failure that we cause ourselves through our own decisions and our own yeah. choices but then there's the time when like life kind of fails us or when life sort of punches us in the mouth. And that's not even so much a failure of our own choosing, but just, you know, like that, that challenge and that, and that, you know, difficulty there. And I think, I think that's important to, to realize that both of those are inevitable in this mm-hmm. life. There's going to be times when we screw up, mess up on our own volition. And there's going to be times when life just screws us up. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> anything that we had to do. And yet, at the end of the day, what we have to ask ourselves in both of those situations is like, now what, right? Like the, why me question mm. only gets us so far at mm. some point we have to go from, okay, life, you punched me in the mouth, or I made that mistake and it sucks and it hurts. And I wish, don't wish it upon anybody else, but now what, now what can I do, you know, sort of to, to, to move forward. Um, and for me, Like, I'll be honest with you. Like when I moved to youth, like when I moved to that uh, organization where I was doing retreat directing, that was like actually me getting on a microphone and starting to speak. Because before that, all I was doing was scripted work, which is similar, but I have three other actors on the stage that I'm now working with, right? So it's you, me, and the two other people. So if I go down and I forget a line, guess what? Someone's going to pick me up, right? Mm -hmm. Just like football, if you got the eleven guys on the field, you miss yeah. your spot. You hope that somebody else, you know, you know, makes up for it or gets to the spot or you know has your back in some way, shape, or form. Right. When you're out there speaking, you got a microphone and it's you. It's like stand-up comedy. That's what I always tell people. It's the exact same thing, and you have no idea if the story in your head that you think is a good story or the joke that you think is a really funny joke is good or funny until you get out there and you say it without anybody else to back you up, right? Just being out there almost kind of naked, right? And so it has, like, for me, we could do another two hours just talking about failure one was this. Failure two was this. Failure three was that. Yeah. Four was when I wasn't prepared. And then, you know what I mean? Like, I could just go down a list of all the times that I screwed up, messed up, or the stumbles and the falls and just like the moments yeah. where things did not work out all that well. Um, that is, uh, that's something that, you know, is something that's very prevalent, you know, in my life. And I think for me, like, just knowing that the only way I am ever going to get good at this thing is by being not so good. Like there was like, I had to like, be okay with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I knew that even if I was a, even if I was a hot mess on the inside, I knew if I could just be normal and calm on the right. outside, that sometimes even the most basic average thing, like even just getting up on a microphone and talking, yeah. like that is extraordinary to very many people. It really
0: is. It's, so I have to remind not- myself
1: that it's not about like, I'm, a, I'm like in their mind, I'm pretty cool just by getting out there and having the courage yeah. to do that. And I had to like get to the fact like that was like, not to mix my metaphors, but that was the Sunday. It was just that. Mm. I was kind of good. That was the cherry or the sprinkles <laughs> or the whipped cream, whatever else but you then, put on. I put butter on your Sunday. Uh, but either way, Sundays are good. You know right. what I mean? Like it ain't bad.
0: So. Thinking about failure, there's there's both sides of the coin. You've got the the, if you're gonna have success, and you're going to have what you want. If you're going to have your own business for six years, you're going to have to go through some defeat, some pain, some despair, some problems. When this podcast first started, when the Dash podcast first started, it was after I lost the world championship in the semifinal round, and I had to look myself in the mirror, and I realized, picking up that mic, and to your point there, nobody competed against me in the first two rounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's a six-round competition, and I won because nobody showed up. Those first two rounds, I would not have won had somebody else showed up. On one of them, I actually read from my phone, and I only won because nobody else showed up. I wasn't ready for the second speech. Like, I I was trying to self-sabotage myself, but I, I grabbed the mic, and nobody else was brave enough to do so. So, you know, a lot of people, what they think is fear and, and it's going to make them look weak or laughed at. That's what gives you strength. So you got to be willing to face that, to put, you got to be bold enough to pull your phone out if you struggle or you forget yeah. your words. Um, yeah. so, you know, you're going to experience like 17 no's for every yes. And you're going to have as much pain, defeat, sorrow, and despair as you're going to have victory, happiness, joy, and love.
1: Yeah. And I'll say this, if, you're an educator and you're listening to this or you're a human that's looking to move the needle with anybody emotionally students family members whoever i think just your willingness to be real and authentic and vulnerable is maybe the single best you know thing you could you know have in your back pocket like just being able to share those times where you messed up screwed up and you fell short. Like if you'd have asked me eighteen years ago, what are the stories that are gonna make the biggest difference mm. in the lives of kids, I would have said, "I got it, Trey. It's when I uh, was the MVP uh, in fourth grade in the home run contest, and I won it, like mm. they'll, they'll love that one. Or when um, that one kid was getting made fun of and I actually did the right thing, they're gonna they're gonna really remind uh, you know they're gonna think that's a good story. And all of those stories are great. But honestly, like the stories that really, really, truly move the needle are the ones that you can tell when you screw up, mess up, not when you hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth, but when you strike out with the bases loaded, because mm. those are the stories that that make you real, those are the stories that make you authentic. And in a Snapchat, social media sort of world, authenticity might be the strongest currency that you can have as an educator and as a human if it comes to making connections and really, you know, looking to build trust with young people.
0: 100%, absolutely. I I think that's what's cool about what you're doing too. And I've seen through generational studies that where baby boomers would stay at a job for about five years, generation X was three, millennials were two, and I'm sure Gen Z coming out and kind of in the workforce now is perhaps shorter, but you stayed as a retreat director for 12 years before you decided to um, kind of jump out. and and do your own thing and that's not a a, a bad thing I think that's a um that could be a a very wise thing because you get so much behind it I kind of went the opposite direction and after my first job at the governor's school I jumped right in consulting and I I got contracts and you know did speaking engagements that way to make a living and now I'm in a full-time role at a school so I kind of went yeah around the back door to end up in a similar place, um, I just did it my way, you know, in, in South Carolina, the way that I was led by God. So talk to me about that journey from the retreat director to your own business and kind of where you are now.
1: Yeah. Um, so I remember at one point um, sitting down with, uh, I was I was managing somebody who was underneath me. They They were an intern and I was trying to be all wise and managerial and impose all of my Um, intelligence on them and at one point this one guy looked at me his name is tony and he said when are you going to start writing down all the names of the principals and all the names of the teachers that you come in contact when you go to schools right what do you mean he said joe he's like you realize like like you could be like running your own organization someday like Hmm. at some point you're going to need to start shifting away from like like really serving this nonprofit and right. start using your gifts and energies to start serving others on a, a level that you just wouldn't be able to do working for somebody else. And right. I started, I think that was like, there's a small shift that happened then. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And I kind of blew it off. And, you know, like I it wasn't something I was really thinking about, but it never went anywhere. Like it was always in the yep. back of my head. And slowly but surely over the years, I just started kind of figuring out that the speaking thing like there was probably like 15 of us that were speaking and doing these retreats mm-hmm. and i was not that like there was anyone who was better than the other but like i continued to get requested from schools like hey can i know we we had you guys last year but if we could get that joe guy again that'd be great he was really made a great connection with our kids and i was getting that a lot mm-hmm. so I started thinking and researching and figuring out you know with this seed that was planted earlier for my buddy tony what, what if I went out on my own and like started my own speaking thing? And I started then researching how much speakers make. And I was finding <laughs> out that, whoa, 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 that speaker, who I have seven more years of speaking experience then is making more in one talk than I do in an entire month. How is that All possible? Right. And if he can do it, I can do it. And so I sat down with my wife, um, we had three kids, right? And so this was our full-time job. We just, were, she was pregnant with our third. Mm. And I said, I know this is crazy, but I, I have a plan and I created a backup plan. Um, I was a wedding DJ for many years in between, just okay. to like table, um, which no shame in that game whatsoever, yeah, right? Absolutely not. It was a great, great gig and um, I can still mm-hmm. always fall back on it. Um, but I shifted away from this nonprofit because at first there was nobody who was bringing me in. I had to create my, all my business. Right. And I'll tell you, be be completely honest. There was plenty of weeks and months where I would sit there with this feeling in my stomach, as I would look in my, my credit card statement, which had a lot of words on it. And then my bank statement, which didn't have a lot of words on it. Um, (laughs) and I was like, how are these going to reconcile because more money is going out than is coming in. And, uh, you know, and, and there wasn't any one, you know, magical factor that, that shifted things, but it was being able to push through those moments of questioning, whether this was a good move, if I had what it takes. Um, and I'm a, for, you know, I think guys, like maybe we do things differently, but I'm a, a ready, like there's that phrase, ready, fire, aim, right? I'm a ready, no, ready, aim, fire. I'm a ready, fire, aim guy, right? I had to do way? the aiming later. Yeah. I just do firing. I'll like, I'll figure that out and all the aiming thing yeah. and adjusting. I'll I'll make it there, you know, but and that's kind of how I rolled with it. Um, but I think in order for me to actually do the aiming and to really right. figure out how to like scale a business and grow a business, I first had to get out there and just like do it and like mm. prove to myself, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, like prove to myself that, um, you know, win, lose or draw, that I was gonna, I was just gonna give this, a shot. And if I could do that, I'll figure out later how to put all the pieces together. Um, yeah. Yeah. A kind of the leap. And I'm still trying to figure out where all the pieces go, but mm-hmm. um, that's just, that's how I rolled into it.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that's really cool. And I like the mindset. So I'm going to stay in that kind of um, entrepreneur world for a minute because yeah. so you, I, you climb to a bunch of different levels in your career, even within the same job, you have just different levels that you grow. But I've realized personally that every time that you fill your cup up and it spills over, it spills to a bigger cup. So you got to start over because what got you here isn't going to get you to the next place. Yeah. So you, you build yourself up to the next level and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again where where a lot of times folks hit their head on the glass ceiling and aren't sure how to get past it. Yeah. So so I think a, a place that's really difficult for me personally and I think for other folks that are um, entrepreneurs is moving from the place of doing it from brute force or ready, fire, aim to a place that is strategic and can scale um, to, to something that, that you can actually make a living on and you can still serve the people, but you can also support your family. And in that credit card statement looks like your bank statement should or
1: should yeah there's a there's a there's a little bit of uh yeah a little bit more congruency with the uh yeah, the amount yeah. of uh uh the amount of uh copy I should say exactly. that's on both of those uh
0: those statements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 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 just thinking about that that next step, you know, and I know you said it's not Uh, a high moment, but it's, it's consistent progress over time is 1% each day, but moving past like, okay, wow, I've, I've got a business. I've been doing this for two, three, four years. How do I break through this level now and go to what's next? What, what is that step? That's not a conversation that I've really heard or had with many people before. For me, are you asking me personally what it is for, for us? And yeah, yeah. For you, what your experience
1: so in in my life and in my experience it's figuring out how we can deepen this impact one thing i've realized Trey, is that i'm really really good at coming in and being the energy guy for the day and one thing i've also realized is that that can only last so long
0: Mm -hmm.
1: for us how do we take this thing that we're really really good at and we can't be long-term relationships with schools or districts um in a, in the same year, you know what I mean? Cause we just don't, there's only so many days in the year and I can only, um, you know, the, what I was doing was just the motivational speaking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Great, but again, it can only last so long. So how do we scale it and deepen the impact? And so we've really shifted in our business. Um, we've added uh, another person onto our team and he has over 25 years in education mm-hmm. experience. Most of it is in the administration world. And what he's really, really good at is really good at sitting down, not with 500 groups of students in a gymnasium, but with like the five leaders within a district and putting together a a plan that has Mm. scope and sequence that we can get not just um, a few people behind, but really we can get the majority of the district behind. We can get teachers behind it to buy in we can get community members and family members to to be on the same page and buy in and we can get students on the same page and buy-in because what we know and this is a, a cliche but it takes a village right like we need all three parts of those that of a school community teachers parents and students I feel need to be speaking the same language and moving towards the same common goal and so that's what we're really trying to do. And we were really good at coming in and doing like the teacher thing
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and the student thing for a day. But yeah. what he's allowing us to do is we're not able to take that impact because what he wants to do and what we want to do is we want to be in a school district for like three years. Like we want to start. Yeah. And in that first year, all we're doing is sitting down with leadership and getting mm. that group on board mm. with whatever it is that they're like, we're not telling them what to do but they're coming up with it. We're just spinning the plates.
0: Yep. And
1: by doing that and getting them on board, that's when we fold into the teachers. And if we get the teachers on board, guess what? They're going to be so much more likely to be engaged in the message that I'm going to be giving to the students mm. because now they know what's a part of something that's bigger and that yeah. it's not just a one and done Joe comes in and fires everybody up that this is, and that's something that they're bought into. And so we're really trying to engage. You've heard of like the whole child approach. We're really trying to take the whole community approach and get yes. key stakeholders that are part of a school district all speak in the same language and moving towards the same goals. That's amazing.
0: That's amazing. I, I, I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. My, so my first job out of college was with a program called the Civic Education Project. And they work out of um, Illinois with um, Northwestern. And I went to Johns Hopkins for three weeks on the west side of Baltimore and was doing some service learning with some kids. And I learned about asset-based community development, which teaches you how to create producers instead of consumers. Yeah. And it also allows you to use the talents, tools, strengths, and resources that already exist to create that production. So that's the same thing that you're talking about Right here. And and that's kind of what I realized, too. I was like, man, you know, speaking for 30 minutes is good. But what if I could consult with these schools? What if I can come in here and do these do these four hour trainings or do this or do that? That would be much better. And I wouldn't have to nickel and dime my way through life. there. So I, I think but looking at that next level and you mentioned like a three year plan, I know in my hometown of South Bend, there's a program. What's it called? They they basically have a program where there's like five or six schools that have gone into a separate district. And yeah. it's like a turnaround process for those five schools separate from um what's going on with the main school district. They've got their own director, they've got their own team. There's a whole professional development scope to it and and curriculum that they're rolling out that's separate from what the regular um district is is doing. Yeah. Is that what you're I see you? Looks like you got something on your mind. What you thinking? No, oh,
1: no, I'm just, I'm nodding. i okay. Yeah, I get it. And I think it's awesome. I yeah. think that, you know, again, it's like, now you're thinking about, we just said about surround yourself with the five. And, you know, though you are the sum average of the five people you surround yourself the most with. And when you put six different school districts together and you're working together towards a common goal of trying to improve in some way, shape or form, um, I love that idea. And I love the idea that um, it's people from different districts that are coming together um, so that they can then go back to their districts and I'm sure share a message that might get everybody on board within their own, you know, within their own you know, community.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's approach, you know, I'm a big SEL guy. So my approach and as I've gone into education, I think something I've learned at first, you know, the podcast I mentioned was how to make your pain, your platform for purpose. And it was all about adding value consistently for free. But around 72 episodes, we started focusing on education. And I started having different conversations. That's what I mentioned, diversity, equity, inclusion, school leadership, um, and SEL. But SEL is what stuck with me. And so now I'm I'm really honing in on adult social emotional learning. And that's a piece where I don't see anything going on. And I think it's oh so important because even for myself, it was like, you know, working with the kids is great, but the teachers are with the kids for eight hours a day. If I can impact them, there's a whole nother level of transformation that comes into play, so. Not not to mention the, oh yeah, the ripple. So the ripple effect
1: uh, that that has is incredible. Mm -hmm. And we also have to remember that just because you're 30 or 40 or 60, that some sort of like flip switches or switch flips and all that early childhood trauma and stuff that you dealt with that you stuffed down and pushed down because that was the generation and how we sort of did it, right? We Mm -hmm. don't know about you, but we did not social emotional learning. Like that would have been like, you turn your nose at that back in the day. Like, what's that about, right? Um, Because like, we just didn't like, we Mm -hmm. we didn't practice. And so I think it's incredibly important for teachers and all adults to be doing a lot of the same, like the five competencies of social emotional learning They make as much sense, if not more, to like I said, a forty-year-old as it does a fourteen-year-old. Yeah. Uh, So I'm on the same page, and like we should chat. Definitely chat after this because we are we are trying to put together more and more content Mm -hmm. that fits
0: under the like adult social emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll 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 talk. We'll talk for sure. and I, I do want to, before we go, I know I told you only 20 or 30 minutes, but it's you're so Sorry. easy to talk to, you know, it's, we, we can't help it. So that makes me happy. Um, let's talk about your book for a minute. I mentioned to you, I've got a book, Every Decision Counts. Uh, it's for middle school students. It's a middle school SEL book. You've got a book for high school students, Just Look Up. Yeah. yeah, go ahead and pull it off the shelf. I'll pull it off the shelf,
1: even though nobody probably can see it, but it's right here. I, I like looking at it when I'm talking about it. Um, yeah, and it's it's so interesting because okay, so just look up, and the subtitle is five life-saving phrases every kid slash human needs to hear, and the reason the kid slash human part is is because this is the talk that I started giving in high schools, and what I started realizing is that the same messages on self-worth and resiliency and human connection that I was talking to students about happen to resonate very strongly with with teachers and adults. I would get messages yeah. from both uh, students and teachers that said, hey, I really needed to hear that today. Um, and so when we came to writing a book, this was a no-brainer because we mm-hmm. had this, this message that was resonating. And so although it's like, I want every high school kid in the land to pick this up and read it, yeah, I want every high school leadership coach or every high school teacher, Mm. every school paraprofessional or elementary or every adult that works in a school community um, to pick it up and read it as well. Because I think all of the phrases really resonate in some way, shape or form, no matter what time of your life or what walk of your life you're in or wherever you are at in your journey. Um, And so, yeah, it's i I'm really excited about it. It's a whole different venture. As you know, writing a book is, is completely different yeah. and hard and challenging, but Lots super rewarding as well. So really yeah. proud
0: of it. That's for sure. That That's really exciting, man. You know, So um, can you give us some insight you know, to maybe one of the phrases um, or, or if not the phrase, yeah. but like the um, the context to it and, and, yep. and kind of what are some of the phrases or ways, things that everybody needs to know, because I, I agree with you.
1: Okay, we're going to do this in two minutes and okay. I'm going to
0: talk about all five phrases.
1: And if I go over two minutes, uh, I don't know what will happen. I think there's a trap door or something and I'll just fall okay. through. Um, so phrase number one, love you, is all about self-worth. You mm. do a really, really good job at seeing all the people in our lives that need help and really, really bad job at helping ourselves when we need it. And I think a lot of it comes down to comparing ourselves and feeling like we need to do something in order to gain worth. And we forget that that our worth and our value is inherent. It is in us just by being born. And I, that, that chapter is a reminder that you are, you matter and that you are good enough. You are enough right here, right now. You don't got to earn it. So that's phrase number one. Phrase number two is push through. And we talked about that earlier. That's the life punching you in the mouth moments. And it's the difference between that, the question, why me versus now what? And pushing through is the, it's not going to be sunshine and butterflies. It's going to hurt. It's going to suck. There's going to be days where you want to quit and maybe give up. But if you can push through what's on the other side of that is many times more valuable than you would have ever imagined. So that's two. Number three is just look up. And that's all about human connection. In this day and age, I don't need to tell you that we have lost that art of human connection. And it's something we need. And so mm-hmm. uh, it's a call for us to really go back to the, the, the human connection that, that we're wired to have. Uh, Phrase four yeah. is called fail on. And that's all about some of the things that not when like life punched me in the mouth, but when I like punch myself in the mouth, all the stupid things that I did and some of the mistakes and mess ups, but also how it's through those mess ups and mistakes that we talked about earlier that we're ever going to be good or successful at anything in life. And then number five yeah. is called Yay Toast, and it might be my favorite because um, it revolves around my uh, child. I have three children, and my middle child, mm-hmm. when he was little, he would always uh, he would always love making breakfast. He would put the love making toast. He would put the bread in the toaster, and it would pop out, and he would like raise his hands like he didn't like whoa, I didn't see that coming like every time, right? Same thing, and then he would shriek like he won the lottery, and I was always like, dude, it's, it's just toast, right? And he's like, no, you idiot, it's a miracle. And if you think about it, when you put bread in a toaster and you press that button, what is happening to that bread to have it come out as like, Chris, that is a miracle. Like all things that we take for granted, it's a miracle that we have them. And we oftentimes in the busyness of our life, we stop, forget mm-hmm. to stop and slow down and see the little things that bring us so much joy or that used to bring us so much joy, like yeah. the magic of toast. And so- Phrase number five is all about wonder and awe, and being grateful for the things that uh, are sitting around us, and and, and looking wow. for them, and being intentional about them. So that's, yeah, the, that's it. I don't know if I did it or not, but no trapdoor
0: happened. So I think well, yeah, at least under five minutes. So the trapdoor didn't fall. So you did good, and I think that, <laughs> I think that's amazing. When you when you look at a lot of great books like the one you've got, just look up, um, and a lot of uh, original self help, Napoleon Hill. Les Brown, Tony Roberts, those kind of guys. There's there's principles that people talk about and discuss, and and like for folks that we mentioned before that are like stuck, and you you have to move forward. If you can just grab a hold of three to five principles, yeah, let's look up, yeah, that changes your entire life. You yeah, know, even
1: one, things. right? Like even yeah. one. Like I I read five because maybe like the three, like maybe it's not even gonna be like two or three. Maybe it's just like sing one single thing, you know that I think. Oftentimes, we are looking for like, wow, I just need to do all these things. I need to do five or seven mm-hmm. or 10 things. And then it's like, no, just take that one next step, whatever that may be for you, that one next movement forward. Um, and maybe that's what you need. And don't have to make it so complicated yeah. and so planned out and so big. But just any one little victory is better than nothing.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I I agree wholeheartedly, man. I don't think this is going to be the last time that we have a a podcast interview together or, you know, connect on on any other type of level. So I appreciate you so much. Joe, where where can the people go to find you and Just Look Up? Yeah. So uh, if you want to get a copy of the book, you can go to justlookupbook.com.
1: For the first uh, copies, that the first run of all of this, I am personally signing and sending them out myself, which it's been a, a good and a bad thing in many ways, but um, I would love to do that for anybody who uh, orders. Um, I will do that as long as we still have this first run, which should be for the next few months at least. Um, yeah. Or if you are interested in learning more about the work that we're doing in schools, um, you can uh, find me at joe at, or joebackman.com is the website, um, but you can email me at joe at joebackman and uh, I will get back
0: to you as soon as possible. There we go. There you have it here. So if you like that information, please share it with your friends. I know I enjoyed it. I'm going to be listening to this episode some more myself, and and I can't wait to talk to Joe some more. So I I, I thank you for all that you shared. Sending you a book. Sending you a book. Sending you a book. Go go check send out you your book. book. Just oh, sending me a book. I'm sending you a book. Oh, yeah. Oh. Okay. And I'm going to return that favor as well and do the same. So uh no. we might have some some places to put it. I got some high school students that that need some help. So. Share this episode. You've got the link. Um, On our end, we we always want you to go check out SELeducators.com, a platform dedicated to adult social emotional learning activities. We've got six courses out right now, four of them are free. Go ahead and check it out, and we'll see you next time. This is The Dad.